a belief that our workforce should mirror our customers. And our customers are very different. They're from different backgrounds. They're from different religious backgrounds, different genders, different races. But we believe that's our competitive advantage. And the reason I say that is everyone has different perspectives. Everyone using technology, depending where you live, what you do, what your beliefs are, could be very different. And to have a table where you've got all the different perspectives, you come to something that's really, really good and really, really valuable. This is Wolfpack Career Chats, your favorite personal and professional development podcast. You will hear inspiring stories, people overcoming obstacles. This is Marcy Bullock, and I devote my life to helping other people figure out what to devote theirs to. Remember my top five P's. Stay present, trust the process, explore your path, release the pressure valve, and unleash your potential. Hello, this is Marcy Bullock with Wolfpack Career Chats, and today I have Marche Mansfield from Lenovo. Welcome, Marche. Thanks, Marcy. Great to be here. So nice to have you. You are the Vice President and Chief Customer Operator, or Officer, I should say, which is is a great title. I think everyone's heard of the CEO, and you're the CCO. Tell us what that means. Yeah, it's an interesting title. Basically, and you had said operating. I was previously our Chief Operating Officer for North America, and most people are familiar with that term. It's, you know, basically knowing how to get things done on a daily basis in corporate America and making sure we're taking care of our clients and our employees. Um, I've been in this role as chief customer officer for the past two years. Um, I run our commercial sales organization, which means I have people all over the United States and in Canada that are selling, you know, directly to clients. I also have a large inside sales population uh, that's based here in Morrisville, North Carolina. We have about 450 sellers. Uh, most of them are right out of college uh, in their first uh, first point of career into sales or into technology. Uh, but mostly I'm a voice of the customer inside of Lenovo and that can take on many different forms and, and can come from a lot of different lens. I talk to customers daily. I hold um, customer advisory councils uh, quarterly to make sure that from a design perspective that we're putting products out there that customers are uh, wanting and wanting to carry around and it's solving a real business need. And I also provide feedback on what's working and what's not working and a lot of different things in this work from anywhere environment that COVID has really accelerated you know, the digital transformation across a lot of different industries. Um, you know, my company and my CEO depends on me to be that voice uh, for North America back into the business. That sounds like a very high level role. And you mentioned 450 sellers right out of college. What's the total number of people that either report to you or someone else that reports to you? I have about 800 people in my organization, um, mostly, uh, mostly on the sales standpoint, but we do have a lot of people that support our business, whether, you know, we're responding to customers, whether we're doing um, credit, et cetera. There's a lot of people 
people that, you know, it takes a, a village, as they would say, to make sure that we're um, delighting our customers. So I have both sales and non-sales under me. And what a great success story from NC State. You studied communications. I did. Yeah. Here you are in this role. And I, I love it because just yesterday I was talking to a communication major who was saying, I think I want to be a leader one day, but I don't really know where to start. What advice do you give to students who are in a major that doesn't exactly equal a job and they want to be in some executive role one day like you? Yeah, it's so funny. When I was at NC State, I was a communication major, but I had a concentration at theater. So I lived at Thompson Theater um, most of my junior and senior year. So getting into technology um, was very, very different. But at the time, uh, Research Triangle was exploding in North Carolina, and um, a family member of mine had joined IBM in the sales arena and really encouraged me because as a comms major, you know, I enjoy connecting with people. I enjoy talking to people. And technology at that time was really um, coming to the forefront of mobile devices and laptops and all of this stuff. So it was incredibly interesting to me. And so I took a sales job and I took a sales job uh, taking 100 calls off of a queue a day, learning, talking to clients, talking to people who were trying to, you know, figure out what a PC was and how that would fit into their lifestyle. So, you know, I would say getting out of NC State, I did not know at that point in time that I wanted to be an executive in technology. But over the years, and as I gained more experiences uh, in different jobs, which gave me very different perspectives, I knew that, you know, I wanted to get into leadership at some point. But my advice would be out of college, soak it all in and do as many different opportunities as you can to gain a broader perspective. Um, I've lived all over the country. I've worked in different segments, different sectors, and customers are different everywhere. And there's a lot of different requirements. And, you know, as I'm interviewing people today for higher level jobs, you know, the person who's been doing the same thing for 10 years versus someone who has four different jobs and four different experiences, and they can look at a, a problem, a business problem or a business opportunity through a different lens because of their experiences. So you've got your education, then you've got your experiences, and that in itself gives you an opinion uh, that's valued and that's respected. And so that would be my biggest advice. And I always say, when you're looking at a job and you're looking for the next job, get something on your resume that you don't have today. And that can take a lot of different shapes and forms what that would be as they're trying to figure out, um, you know, what their end state of their career looks like. And sometimes you don't know, and that's okay too. It's really inspirational hearing your story and your background in theater, how that with communication has evolved into this leadership role where you're overseeing 800 people. And it sounds like it's reassuring too, because at the time you had no idea you'd be here in, you know, the year 2021. So it's okay not to have it figured out. And I, I love your advice, Marche, when you're talking about just experiencing new things, what do you think being involved in theater did for you? And how did that shape you? 
Well, I think theater gives you the confidence of being on a stage or or being creative and, and being open to change. You know, when you do theater, every night's different and every audience is different. And you have to be able to react and to be able to, um, you know, anticipate something is going to go not exactly how you planned. Um, business is very similar, especially in this COVID environment. Every day I come into my home office, um, I really don't know what is going to be in front of me. I have my calendar set, but that very quickly changes by nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. And the ability to, to react and to positively adjust to change is where I see people being most successful. The ones that um, get kind of stuck in their routine and not looking to continually try to improve are the ones that um, probably are not at the top of my ranking when I look at a, a total employee base. Absolutely. And those are all transferable skills. Everything you said about how you don't know what the audience will be like on opening night or day two, we didn't know a global pandemic would hit. And here you are a year in trying to virtually pivot everything you've done. How did you do that? Yeah, it's been, it's about connecting in a different way. And I think some of the hardest thing on my employees that are right out of college and who have taken, you know, perhaps a field relocation. I have a few people that have moved to major cities. One in particular, I'm thinking she moved to New York City right when the pandemic hit, um, didn't know anyone in the city. And all of a sudden she's got a brand new job and she's in a place she's not familiar with and she's stuck in her apartment the whole time. So, you know, what I talked to my leadership team about is first, we've got to make sure our employees are taken care of. And when I talk to people over Zoom or Teams or face, you know, over video conferencing, you never know what role you're going to play when that meeting starts happening. Um, you know, sometimes I'm a boss, sometimes I'm a friend, sometimes I'm a counselor, sometimes I'm an advice giver. Uh, you never know because people um, some days are thriving in this environment and some days are really struggling. And we as a leadership team have to have the ability to recognize that and support our employees. On top of that, you know, once we know that our employees are in a really solid ground and a great spot, we have to make sure that we connect with our customers on a very different way. The days of us going into a conference room, sitting around a phone with no video are completely gone. I mean, this has been, you know, that's almost archaic at this point. Video has become such a part of our daily routine and our customers' daily routine that going back to how it was is not something that that will be reality. Um, people have adjusted, people have adapted. Um, what I'm seeing for customers right now as businesses start to reopen, you know, from a sales perspective, they're worried about making sure they get their employees back on site in a safe manner versus letting salespeople come and talk to them versus still leaning on video conferencing because it's a safer environment. So we've all had to adapt. And I would say some days you do it better than others, but you've got to kind of cut yourself a break and learn if you make a mistake and then move on. This is, this is really reassuring, too, to hear you talk about just your role when you're the friend or the counselor, that you're really, during this pandemic, understanding the human side of what everyone is going through. And the students that I talk to in my career exploration classes, I don't think realize how much what they're doing now virtually, I mean, all of their classes got turned upside down onto a two-dimensional screen, how they can help them 
with whatever transition they make. So as these students begin to start their first job, it's it's graduation season right now. What are some things you see about this generation that maybe they could learn to professionally adapt to this new setting? Yeah, this generation really is phenomenal because their their interaction with technology is the top. I mean, they're not intimidated by it. Uh, they actually embrace it. So what I have found, although sometimes it's lonely for some of my uh, employees who are new in the business, uh, because they like coming into a setting, they like the interaction, they like the collaboration. So this has put a little bit of strain on that, but their ability to use technology and use it in a very different way um, has been amazing. For example, we all get emails that say, oh, I'd like to talk to you about this, or this is the new hottest thing. Can I please schedule a call with you? Well, a lot of my new employees out of college, they're doing videos. So they're recording themselves talking. They're sending customers videos. Customers are opening the video up and you all of a sudden feel a connection with this person versus just getting an email and there's no no face behind that. So I'm incredibly encouraged. Um, you know, we had a large sales class that came out of college last year. They have never met face-to-face. We've trained them online. We trained them over video. They've met their teams over video, but they've never actually been in a Lenovo office building. And the spirit of this generation, along with their ability to embrace technology has been so incredible to watch. So it is different um, and it is uh, in some, t- some ways difficult, but I've been incredibly encouraged by their ability to connect even over video conferencing and a lot of the interviews that I'm doing. I love that. And and even the students in our professional development seminar, I've told them as an assignment to make a commercial about yourself and put it on your LinkedIn because of the same reason you just said, it shows who you are behind just the resume. Exactly. So Marcia, you are a female right now in a very male-dominated industry. Uh, what is that like? And what have you learned that we can all gain some insight from? Yeah, over the years, I will say it has changed dramatically. Um, You know, being a female in technology in the 90s um, probably wasn't good. And I can probably share stories that would make women today cringe. Um, But I believe it's evolved. And, you know, the reason if you look at my my resume, I've been with IBM and Lenovo my entire career, and I'll I'll speak specifically of Lenovo. Um, We have a belief that our workforce should mirror our customers and our customers are very different. They're from different backgrounds. They're from different religious backgrounds, different genders, different races. But we believe that's our competitive advantage. And the reason I say that is Everyone has different perspectives. Everyone using technology, depending where you live, what you do, what your beliefs are, could be very different. And to have a table where you've got all the different perspectives, you come to something that's really, really good and really, really valuable. Um, Lenovo has always respected the fact that I'm a mother of three, that I'm a wife, that I'm a daughter, that I have a life outside of Lenovo. Um, I work really, really hard for my company. But I also love the fact that they respect that I have other things going on because I think work-life balance, we all talk about it, but I think it's really, really important. And you talk about the generation coming right out of college today. um, I find that generation, 
equally values that. They like to get a job that pays them good money. That's like table stakes. But what they look at when they're looking at companies is the culture. And do you value my time outside? Do you have a collaborative space? Because the the times of dictator leadership uh, does not work in today's corporate environment. It just doesn't. It's not who we are. It's not who we want to be. So you know, I've had the the challenges of being a female. I'm, I think it's how you handle situations. I believe that, um, you know, everyone has a good opinion and a voice. And I think those are our strongest allies. And I, I'm very fortunate that I work for a company and I landed at a company that values that I have a different opinion than the person sitting next to me. That's so important. And when you were talking about how it's all changed in the decades you've been in the workforce, I'm wondering right now for a young woman starting off, if if they were to hear a misogynistic comment, what would you tell them to do in a professional setting? Oh, absolutely. Talk to your manager or if it's your manager, your HR partner. Um, it honestly, I've never seen it more strong. And I mean that in a good way about value and diversity and zero tolerance for anything else. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on in the world today. And there's a lot of things that um, companies like Lenovo that absolutely don't tolerate. And I think anyone who knows in my organization that everyone, no matter what job you do from the person who cleans our bathrooms all the way up to our CEO, I value their opinion the same way. And no one in this organization is more important than the other one. And that's how we treat it. And that's how we run it. And I think that's why we see the success that we do. That's that's important to understand in a culture that that is the value system. And if it's not, it might not be the place you want to be working. Exactly. And I think when people are getting out of college and evaluating companies, that should be one of the questions after you do an interview that you ask is what is the culture like? Because that is extremely important. Because I tell you, I have been two companies that don't share Lenovo's same values, don't share the same values on diversity. Uh, they may put the statistics on a website, but once you dig a little bit deeper, uh, it was not a company I wanted to be a part of. You mentioned, too, being a mother of three. How do you set your work-life boundaries? Are there certain non-negotiable issues or values that you make clear to your own supervisor? Yeah, so I report to our president of North America. I'm fortunate that I work. We run North America like a family-owned business, and we always have. We all know each other's spouses. We know each other's kids. We know their likes. And, you know, we're fortunate that way that we're a very tight knit group. Um, You know, I've always set the boundaries that I will miss some things. I will not miss everything. And, you know, I've had conference calls on the lacrosse field and I'm talking to my boss and he's at the dance studio because his daughter's dancing. And, you know, we we value that with each other. We know we all work really, really hard. And although some weeks or days that may be non-traditional hours, you know, at the end, you get your results done and then, you know, everything else happens. But prior to COVID, when I was living on an airplane, you know, I would get in on Thursday evening and I'd get my stuff done on Friday morning, but then Friday afternoon was for my husband. And we always did date afternoon. My boss does the same thing with his wife. And I've been traveling all week. The kids were still in school until three or four o'clock. My husband and I would have a date day or date lunch. And then I'd see my kids and then we'd have the weekend. But I think it's really important to know that some weeks may be out, out of balance. But in general, it has to be more in balance than out. And if I give a lot to Lenovo one week, 
then I over-index giving a little bit more to my family the next week. And I think it's important. I know. And when I think about balance, I don't even think that's possible. I think it's integration because it ebbs and flows like you talked about. Wow, this is really helpful. So we're at our last question, which is moving into um, 20 years into the future. So we're going to just time machine it up to the year 2042, I guess. No, 2041. What would you want to hear from your uh, more experienced self at that stage? What do you need to hear today? Oh gosh, uh, twenty years from now, I hope we're not. Um, I hope we're not talking about diversity as much because it becomes part of the normal course of business. I hope that we're not talking about females still getting eighty cents on the dollar in North America of what male our male counterparts doing for the same job. I hope that we hear globally that women are and women of color are not making fifty cents on the dollar um, of what our male counterparts are. Um, I think that's core to who we need to be as a as a global people of just valuing different perspectives versus being afraid of it. And I think sometimes. The fear comes in of the unknown because someone may bring a perspective that you're not confident in or you have no experience in. And instead of um, pushing it away, I think our ability to embrace it uh, will make this world a better place. I like that crystal ball, Marche, and it sounds like you are a change leader who's going to be on top of making sure that happens. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you. Thank you.